by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Welcome to N17 Women, the only podcast about Spurs women for our World Cup knockout stage podcast, plus a little bit of just playing Spurs, as we have got some stuff to talk about later on in the pod uh, about uh, Spurs and, and the new season. My name's Sean, and as usual, I'm joined by Rachel and Caroline, but Abby is unfortunately unwell this evening. So we're sending her all the best wishes for getting well soon. But Caroline and Rachel will uh, no doubt uh, keep us all entertained and up to date with what's been going on, the, on in the World Cup. Hello, both. Hello. Hey, Sean. So let's get let's get right in there, shall we? I know you've both been enjoying the World Cup lots. So... Canada, Shalina Zadorsky, of course, our representative in the Canadian team, went out at the group stage. Limited minutes for Shalina during the competition and still no news on her contract, though she did include a picture of that was Spurs related in her Instagram for the first time recently. How are we feeling about her World Cup and what we think is going to happen with her before the new season? Well, I did. I actually watched quite a few of Canada's games, but I think I missed the only one where she actually played. So I can't speak to her performance in the World Cup, although I I think it's a little disappointing that she didn't get very many minutes, especially in that last game. You know, it it was clear that Canada's defense was not working. So I, I think it would have been worth mixing something up and bringing Shalina in, maybe another player, just to try something different. But, you know, it, it's it's kind of shocking that the reigning Olympic champions were out before the knockout stage. But there have been so many shocks elsewhere in the cup that I guess I, that one like doesn't even stand out anymore to me as the most shocking result. But as for her coming back to Spurs, I, I, I guess finally posting about Spurs on her social media is kind of an indicator that she is coming back. But that's how it's been all all summer. It's like we're we're feeding off of scraps and you know little social media clues because we're not actually hearing anything from the club. So I don't I don't know. We we might not ever even get an official announcement. It's just going to be like, oh, she's still here. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, like Caroline said, there wasn't a lot to see of Shalina. She played. She came in as a substitute in the second half in the one game against Ireland when they were down and they came back to win. So her substitution was part of Canada's comeback. And in that sense, she was part of the sort of positive vibes of Canada. But since they didn't get out of the group, and I think now that we know what Nigeria are like and we've seen Australia play further, there's no shame in Canada not making out of that group. But at the same time, it wasn't a very impressive World Cup for them. I think my impression of Shalina, she did a decent job. She wasn't centrally involved, but she did help to stem the tide in that game. And I know that she always likes going, you know, she likes going on tour of the national team. She likes playing for Canada and that's something that she's important to her. So I guess, again, it's one of those things that the fact that she remains in the team after being at Spurs is important in determining whether or not she's going to stay. Because I think if she didn't think she was getting the kinds of game time or exposure that meant she wasn't going to feature in the team, that would affect her decision. But yeah, like Caroline says, we don't know anything and it's uh, ridiculous that we don't. But fingers crossed. Uh, Now, the other team that had a Spurs representative that went out at the group stage, slightly different story from the Canadian story. New Zealand, of course, 
starting really brilliantly in the World Cup, then uh, falling away a little bit. But Rhea got lots of minutes. Rhea Percival got lots of minutes, which I think is a good thing from our point of view after last season where she came back late. She's been with the team, made some history for New Zealand and had a good World Cup overall, I think. That's got to be a positive thing for her coming back to Spurs and for the new season, I think, hasn't it? Definitely. I was just happy to see that she still looks like the same player that we know and love post-ACL injury. She was looking really great in this World Cup. And I think New Zealand were a little unlucky not to advance to the knockouts. But the simple truth is they just weren't scoring enough goals. And I think that was the case for a lot of teams in this tournament so far. But they definitely had a respectable performance overall. And I think... Rhea and, and Allie Riley, her co-captain, they were a huge part of that, you know, and just pushing the team along and encouraging them to dream. Because I think their their federation has just kind of underfunded them and not really always given them the resources that they need. But it, it sounds like they're starting to wake up to the potential of that that team. So it was good to see this as kind of like a growth experience for all of them. And I would assume this is probably Rhea's last World Cup, but she can be proud of how it went down for sure. Yeah, I think it must be quite a frustrating World Cup for Rhea and for New Zealand. She had a really good first game. Um, She was probably the best player on the pitch in that game. But she then had that sort of awful experience of missing a penalty, which we won't dwell on. And all I can say is that it's lucky that the goal difference between New Zealand and Norway wasn't just one, because otherwise she might have looked back on that with deep regret. But Norway went on to score quite a lot so that did not make a difference in whether or not New Zealand went through to the next rounds I think also you know New Zealand were unlucky and that they had that they had that marginal offside if they'd have scored that they would have gone through there was all these little moments when they potentially could have gone a little bit further but as we've gone on to see they were in a very weak group and if they had got round through to the round of 16 that would have been it I'm pretty sure so I think she and New Zealand did as much as they could I don't think she was quite as good in the second and third games as she was in the first but as Caroline said it was Rhea Revold who was everywhere on the pitch. Excellent looking forward to seeing her back in a Spurs shirt and one advantage of teams being out of the World Cup of course is that players are safe for um, at least a little while longer from injury. So we move on to the teams that went through to the knockout stages, most of them now out. Uh, So Switzerland, we saw our new signing play for one game, played the whole of that game, but then seems to have picked up an injury. So we didn't see any more of her. We worried about that. What are we thinking about her as a new signing? How are we feeling about her after after that injury kind of halted her World Cup? I'm really excited about her. I have to say that her one game that I saw definitely made me much more excited, enthusiastic for her to join Spurs than I had been beforehand. And I'm just going to put it out there. She was providing a lot of the long balls that were giving opportunities to Switzerland. And once she was out of the team, Switzerland were not playing so well and they were not attacking so well. So I'm just going to credit all of um, Switzerland's downturn in form and inability to score after their two goals in their first game to Luana Bula no longer being in the team. And (laughs) on that basis, I'm, yeah, she gets lots of credit and I'm really excited, which is just to say that she did play these really great cross-pitched balls that were, you know, really important. And I'm 
she looked very comfortable on the ball. I don't know if she's going to be as as good sort of one-on-one defending, but she definitely is an exciting sort of attacking centre-back. Yeah, I agree with Rachel. I feel like she was integral to her side. And once she, you know, kind of was removed with that knock, they really did not impress me. (laughs) But from the Spurs angle, I think it's going to be refreshing to have a defender who has that kind of passing range and vision. She was very proactive on the ball, lots of interceptions as well. We didn't get to see as much of her actually defending, I feel like, because of that opponent in the first match. So that's a bit of a question mark. But yeah, I don't, I'm not concerned so much about the injury in terms of her coming back to Tottenham because she was at least on the bench, I think for the last two games. So I I would assume she's going to be ready to go at the start of the season. And I I feel like she's going to be an automatic starter in my eyes from what I've seen. And this is good. Like, this is what we've kind of been asking for with our, our transfers this summer, like players who are ready to come in and make an impact right off the bat. So, yeah, I'm excited to see her actually playing with the club. Excellent news. So then we move to a player that we know of old. Rosella Ayan was playing for Morocco, another country doing fantastically well, getting to the knockout stages when they probably weren't anticipated to do that. Ros kind of got less game time as the competition went on, though. She start, she was a starter to begin with and then was pushed back to the bench. So how how do we read that and what do we think she's going to bring back from the World Cup for another season at Spurs? Yeah, I don't know what to think about it. I, I was kind of surprised that she got such limited game time because we know that in you know the past few cycles for Morocco, she's been one of their most important players, a regular starter, especially in the AFCON tournament last summer. You know, she was scoring goals, you know, every game for them. So I don't know what to make of her. It's like, does she fall out of favor? Does she have a slight knock that we don't know about that she had limited minutes? I mean, I never heard anything to that effect in the news. So kind of a strange one. And I, I I feel a little, I don't know, sad for her, I guess, that her her country was pulling out all of these incredible results and she wasn't hugely involved. I feel like that's got to be frustrating. But on the flip side, if that is the case, hopefully she can use that as some motivation to come back at, at club level and do more to make an impact. But, you know, she was still a part of the squad. She still gets the credit for being part of that team that made history for her country. And I think from the Morocco perspective, it's it's good to see a team that has a federation who actually is investing in them and taking the program seriously, actually seeing some dividends come out of that um, in contrast to some of the countries who were successful in spite of their federations. It's, it's good to see a team that's doing it the right way, actually being successful. So good for Morocco. Yeah, I, I think it was tactical. Uh, it felt like... Morocco played in a different way against um, Germany in that first game than they did against South Korea and then Colombia. And it felt like that first game, they were kind of going a little bit helpful ever and, you know, let's see what happens. And they lost 6-0. And then the next two games, they won 1-0. And in those games, they started with um, Lamari and Gerard up front. And I was on the bench coming on for a, a late sub. And I think... As a late sub, she was much more effective than she had been as a starter. And she did what she sometimes does for Spurs, providing energy and stretching the defence. 
at a point at which Morocco was struggling because they had spent much of the games defending. I think that worked a little bit less well against France in their round of 16 game, where just because France was just that much better than the teams they'd faced so far. And so they weren't able to kind of hold the line in the same way. But I think it might be a sign of the Moroccan coach recognising what we also sometimes see, which is that she's not always as effective if your goal is to, you know, defend and press everywhere and to win the ball back and to keep the ball. And, you know, I kind of hope that our new manager at Spurs also uses Ros in this way. Yeah, I think we've been saying for, for a while, haven't we? She's a she's a substitute rather than a, a starter at this point in time, but she can be effective if she plays out on that wing for us. I was just going to add, I, I also want to thank very much um, Ros and the whole of Moroccan team because very randomly I put a £1 bet on them getting out of their group and so I won 40 quid on them. <laughs> so I was very happy that they got out of their group, not just for Ros. <laughs> Rachel's got to be nicer to Ros now. I've got to uh, be nice. <laughs> It's only because I read quite a lot about them and I realised how defensive they were and how, you know, having seen them as well in AFCON, I knew they'd be hard to score against, except when you're um, Germany or France. Well, and Germ- but then we know about Germany and France. Moving on to the next side, which I think is probably um, a much more consistent story in terms of team and our representatives in it. So Jamaica made it through to the knockout stages. I mean, three clean sheets for Becky in the group stage. She only conceded one against Colombia in that, last 16 but obviously Jamaica couldn't find a way to, to to get their own goals I mean in many ways Becky's had a incredible World Cup comparatively with a lackluster season last season and um, do we think she can bring that form back to Spurs given that she's our only senior goalkeeper at the moment I hope so I mean I'm hoping that last season was just a blip and we know that she does have that persistent back injury so it's possible that that was kind of affecting her in her club season. But I, I was just hugely impressed by her in this World Cup. I felt like she was a real leader in the Jamaican team in terms of just commanding her back line, coming up clutch with some really great saves when needed. And, I, you know, I think Drew also had a really good performance, too, in most of the games. Like, she, she, she was asked to do a lot in this Jamaican team. With Spurs, she's been primarily more of an attacking midfielder, but she was she was all over the place for Jamaica. You know, she was having to pitch in on defense a lot. And I think with Jamaica, it was strange to me because I feel like, you know, obviously they had the issue with Bunny Shaw being suspended for their second game and they were still able to come up with a goal. But when she came back, it seemed like they were playing a little bit differently to how we saw in the CONCACAF tournament last summer. Bunny was playing quite a bit deeper and I, I just felt like they weren't getting the most out of her. Like, it's it's strange to me that she went the whole tournament without scoring a goal. Obviously, a, a very defensive-minded team in this tournament, and that was how they, they got as far as they did. But hopefully they're going to focus a little more on the attacking side in the next tournament. <laughs> yeah, it definitely wasn't a team uh, to watch if you want to see goals. They conceded one and they scored one across the entire tournament. So you were, the, I think they must have been, the I think, the mo- the fewest goals scored in any of their games of any team so yeah and you know a lot of that was down to Becky Spencer and she did actually survive longer than any other goalkeeper in terms of minutes played um, without conceding so all kudos to her there in terms of Sean's Sean's question about is she going to bring that form back 
I don't know because she played really well in the um when she in the qualifying tournament last year and then had a really bad season at Spurs and I wonder what it is and whether it's something you know she's had a long career and is it something about focus concentration excitement energy as opposed to just skills because some of the things that we saw her do last season did look like a lack of focus a lack of concentration I don't know if it's that I don't know why it was that she had a basically poor season last season and a not great one the one before it was okay but not perfect I do worry with both Drew and Becky actually that they can turn it on when in those environments so we know Drew for example against Leicester last season really turned it on and had a fantastic performance but didn't maintain that level of performance in the World Cup both players I think I think there was very much within the Jamaica squad that kind of sense of let's prove everybody wrong because of the way the Federation has been treating them uh, and and the way they've had to to work to get there so I think there was very much that kind of group ethic of we need to play out of our skins here. And when they when they put that level of effort in, clearly both of them are still excellent players. But I do worry that without that kind of motivation behind them, neither of them put in that kind of level of performance enough. Yeah, and I guess I would just also add on terms of Drew, she was superb against Panama, but there was in the game today where she was getting more frustrated, you could see her sometimes you know, getting irritated. So when I'm saying the game today, in case you're listening on a different day, uh, this is the day that they played Colombia. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think it's great. And it's, I think one of the things I think it's really good for is it has raised the profile of Spurs. They are players who have had successful World Cups. Becky was player of the match twice, I think, um, officially. And so again, that's great in terms of bringing people through the doors next season. That's really important. The other thing I would add about how Becky's going to do next season is that I think having Luana Buller in the defense is going to be an asset to Becky because that's a player who is going to be a little more comfortable with that, like playing out from the back style that Becky does have with Jamaica. So I, I'll be curious to see if that affects it any. Although I was going to say the opposite is that I felt like she was playing with players, with defensive players who were slightly more limited about playing out from the back like Alison Swarby repeatedly would just you know knock out of play anywhere so it would go out for a corner and something and it felt like Jamaica was sometimes you know just getting rid of the ball rather than doing anything more elaborate so I wondered if playing with players who she had less confidence that they would distribute the ball meant that she was more careful so I kind of was thinking maybe it was the opposite but who knows well hopefully yeah we're going to have some more news on a goalkeeper front because I think we uh, we need at least a backup keeper, if not a first choice keeper after um, the departure of Tinney. We still wait and see on that one. We've got one representative still left in the World Cup and unbelievably for some of us uh, in the room lasting longer than the Americans, which we'll come to talk about. But England are through to the quarterfinals, which means Beth is through to the quarterfinals. And has had some game time, not as much as we'd like, I'm pretty sure. But she, when she has played, I think she's been getting getting things right. And she, of course, scored her penalty, was the first English player to score her penalty in, in shootout uh, in, the, in the last 16 game. What have we been thinking of, of her performances and should she be starting in the game against Colombia? Well, I think, of course, having 
in the first game she had no minutes and that was when both Russo and then Daly were used as a number nine and after that clearly Serena Wiegmann thought that she needed Rachel Daly back at left back or left wing back or finally at left wing in the most recent game but essentially somewhere on the left and not as a striker and that's of course meant that Beth's been given the sort of substitute role to come in after Russo She hasn't had a lot of minutes, but she was in the game against China, able to link up with Chloe Kelly quite well and created lots of space in the box. And I thought that she was important in Chloe Kelly getting her goal in that game. And I think then again, more importantly, perhaps in the most recent game against Nigeria, when she came on in the second half of injury time, so incredibly late, and we can talk about Serena Wiegmann's absolutely ridiculous reluctance to make substitutions in that game. What we saw was that she was holding the ball up and she was creating chances. And when England were down to 10 players, that was really important. And she was doing a lot of good work and seemed to be just creating a little bit more stability than had been the case before she came on. So I I think that she has impressed enough. And I think also her confidence in taking the penalty, the fact that she took the second penalty means that Serena Beegman is probably more comfortable with her now as a player and more comfortable giving her minutes. And it would be interesting to see whether she gets more against Colombia, given that she, you know, there's a, Russo hasn't impressed generally except briefly in the game against China and if we are going to keep on playing with this three at the back it maybe works as well or better for Beth England. Well it's funny that you say Serena Vigman has been reluctant to use subs because she is certainly not the only manager in the tournament that that (laughs) has been true for. I'll be honest like time zones have not worked out favorably for me in terms of England's game so I've only seen I think it was the first match that Beth played in towards the end of the game. And I thought she played well and, you know, she was making the most of the what little touches she was provided with. And I remember there being some, shall we say, uh, selfishness from some of the other forward line players and not feeding her the ball at times. But I'm just glad she's playing at all because there was real risk that she might not get any minutes at all in the because in the lead up to the cup, you know, she wasn't playing in the friendlies and yeah I was like god I hope she doesn't end up not getting to play at all and then having regrets which I think is kind of the scenario that some of the American players are in right now so that that would have been unfortunate so I'm glad she's at least participating (laughs) yes and I think Colombia is going to be a tough test for us in the next round they seem to be the team that are very good at the things that we're very bad at we've not we've not done well with being closely marked and those sort of things. And that's kind of what Columbia do. So obviously in terms of, you know, rankings and things, we should be getting through that game. But do you think England are getting through to the semifinals? I think England are actually decent at defending. And that's one of the things that gives me some confidence. Obviously there's issues about whether or not you continue to play three at the back and whether then Lucy Bronze is exposed by Linda Caicedo bombing down the wing but it could be about a move back to four at the back and the three at the back have covered pretty well in general um so some I guess you know the most consistent performers so far this World Cup for England has been that back line 
you know, and I don't think Colombia are as good at the back as they are going forward. So I think that there is scope to score if England, again, perhaps change the way they play. And I think that remaining with three at the back that works so well against China isn't going to be the best option against Colombia. So, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm not as pessimistic as, yeah, as, as all that. I think y'all could have some trouble, especially with Linda Caicedo, kind of in the vein of Melchie de Mornay and that Haiti game. But I do think y'all are going to advance and... The next game, I think, is where y'all are going to run into some trouble because it, at least in my bracket, I have y'all facing France. And I got to be honest, I think France is going to edge that one. But yeah, I mean, Colombia have proven that they're a team that you cannot underestimate and they've got a lot of talent in their squad. And I'm excited to see what they continue to do after this tournament. And I'm excited for the fact that it's a reasonable kickoff time on a Saturday morning. So that is Saturday morning, half past 11 in the UK, that game. But we've talked about England. We have to talk about your side, Caroline. For the first time ever, I think England have gone further in a World Cup than America. What happened? Well, you know, in kind of like the months and the year leading up to this tournament, I was I was trying to protect my heart and tell myself this is not going to be our year because because we had not had the best cycle leading up. but. Right before the tournament began, I was starting to feel like, you know what, we've got players who are in form, like we might just have the talent to make it happen despite the manager. (laughs) I I mean, I'll be totally honest, I'm not a fan of our manager at all. I think his tactical system just does not suit a lot of players that we have and he doesn't utilize them in their best positions, you know, to their best effect. Somebody like Crystal Dunn, I think, sticks out especially as being underutilized. And the fact that he started Alex Morgan the entire tournament. I mean, this is a player that I love dearly, but she should not have been starting. And I think once we got into the group stage, I kind of realized like, yeah, this is not happening. We're something is really off. I mean, for Sophia Smith, who's had an incredible club season to look that impotent in the forward line, it's like this something's off. But I really did think we were going to beat Sweden at least and then get knocked out by Japan. So that was kind of a surprise to me. And I mean, we all know how the, the penalty shootout went. Like you would not have, have counted on the players who missed their penalties, missing them and vice versa. I think when Alyssa Nair got up to take her penalty, I was like, oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> uh, but she, but she made hers, you know, to give her credit. I don't know. That was, it was pretty crushing. It was just a sad day. And I think I was most disappointed by kind of the response from other corners of the world. I felt like there was just a lot of disrespect towards like genuine legends of the game that was really unnecessary because, you know, obviously I get rivalries, banter, that's fine, but kind of like delighting in certain players doing poorly, like Megan Rapinoe specifically. I I just felt like that was in really bad taste. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think the uh, misogyny is strong in that one. When it comes to Megan Rubino, I, I do feel sorry for Megan Rubino, having had such an illustrious career and to go out quite like that is is not what we all wanted. But, uh, it, you know, every every country's reign has to come to an end at some point, doesn't it? Well, yeah. And I mean, we all knew that winning three in a row was a, a big ask. So I, I think we can be happy with having had that success in the past. And it's a good thing that it's becoming more competitive. Like this really is a good thing. I think it's going to be a positive thing for the program in the long run that we have to kind of reassess 
not just the manager, but like team selection, tactics, everything across the board. So there, there are silver linings. Splendid. So uh, the World Cup is not over. England are not out of the World Cup and Beth England is still there. So it has been such a surprising World Cup in, in so many ways. And not least in the fact that a lot of people thought it was too soon to be going to a 32-team tournament. And it has proved that that was the wrong assessment completely. Look at how well some of those smaller teams, the debutants have been doing, knocking out some of those big teams. And I think, like you say, Caroline, it's only good for the growth of the game that, that we've got that kind of change in dynamics happening. Given that we've got a different set of teams going through to the quarterfinals than we thought we would have, who do you think is going to make it through to the semifinals? Who do you think is going to be in that final? And who do you think is going to win it? I've just been, I think I said in our last podcast that I loved Group C and I am, I'm still, Spain and Japan have just been immensely fun to watch and I hope that they get to the semifinals. But I kind of think that the Netherlands might knock out Spain and obviously at the start when in the last podcast I was saying I hope that I had this just like weird prejudice against them I really hated the way they played against Portugal they were just like leaving Portuguese players sprawling on the ground but I have this sort of dread that they might get keep on going although they're not quite as good at the back and Japan have obviously been amazing and they should be able to see off Sweden although Sweden and their set pieces is going to be a challenge I in the last podcast I said I thought France was going to win the whole thing based on not much more than vibes from the Euros and the fact that they had a new coach in and they look really shaky in their first games but they seem like they've settled and I they're definitely scoring goals I don't think that their defense has yet been properly challenged and I'm intrigued about that but I think you know I think their game with Australia is going to be really tough and whoever comes out of that is going to face either England or Colombia and I think that it's more likely to be Australia or France who get through to the final looking at what they are now and I might as well just you know and then I think that they will probably end up playing either Japan or the Netherlands and let's say I still think France is going to win the whole thing I'm going to stick but I think that those games are going to be really interesting in terms of different styles. And I, I should just say, of course, like, you know, obviously I dearly hope that Bon Matty does her magic and Netherlands do not get through. And then I would love to see a rematch of Spain and Japan and to see whether or not it's, it comes out any differently than the first one. Obviously, we don't like Spain's manager. There's massive issues there. But the players themselves have just produced some magic as well. I've got pretty much the same as as Rachel. I think I think Spain are just not consistent enough, and the Netherlands are a very physical team, very tough to beat, as my country found out. And Daphne van Domselaar has been an absolute beast in goal, and it makes me upset every time I remember that she signed with Aston Villa. Um, so that's annoying. But I think it's going to be them facing Japan in the semifinals on their side of the bracket, just because. We all know Sweden got past the U.S. by like a millimeter, literally. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to have enough to get past Japan, who have been, I think, the strongest team in the tournament so far, like in terms of consistency from game to game. Um, and then on the other side of the bracket, I have France taking on England in the semifinal, France advancing to face Japan in the final. And I think Japan's going to win it all just because I think they're the only team that has properly rotated 
they are able to adapt to different opponents with their tactics. They're just extremely organized, technical players. Yeah, I just, I, I feel like Japan are unbeatable, honestly. I I really enjoyed watching their games. Like they're electric to watch. They are. They're just, they are amazing. I have to say, mm-hmm. I keep people, I, a couple of people I know have watched a couple of games and they'll be like, oh, they weren't very good or, you know, this, and like they watched Sweden, the USA, which was not the most fun game to watch equally England, um, Nigeria, not the most fun game to watch. And I'm like, but just watch a Japan game, just watch a Japan game and you will really enjoy it. And people telling them how many goals there are and how fun and how like technically exciting and, you know, and fun. And like they play in all these different ways, don't they? Like one minute they're playing you know when they play against Spain they're playing on the break most of the time you know it's all counter-attacking and then against other teams they've had all of the possession so yeah Japan is super fun I just still feel like France is I don't know nah oh there we go split down the middle one of you may be taking the crown at the end of the the tournament still a little while to go of course in the tournament so still plenty of women's football to be enjoying over the summer uh, whilst we wait for the Super League to be back but the good news is, from that perspective, the countdown is well and truly on. Not only have we got fixtures now, uh, we've got Conti Cup groups and we've got players back at training, admittedly not many of them. And some of those players are the players that some of the players we were wondering about because their contracts were up and we haven't heard anything new. So we saw Kit, we saw Evelina and we saw Asmita in the somewhat weird photos that were put on social media and then obviously out on the training pitch as well. How happy were you to see those three players in particular coming back to Hotspur Way? Happy, but I mean, also confused. Uh, this is kind of why I said it, I would not be surprised if we just never got an announcement about Shalina and these players as well, because I wouldn't put it past the club to just forget that they were technically out of contract and there needed to be an announcement. But yeah, it's I, I think these are a lot of players that we're really excited about going forward and as Mita especially I feel like we were all kind of worried that she was going to be moving on so it's good to see her involved and yeah I'm just ready for the season to start which I know sounds crazy because the World Cup is literally still going on but I I I feel a lot more optimistic about this season already than I did last season. Yeah like Caroline I'm really happy that all three are there I think we didn't see Gracie Pierce in those images but Again, she has previously gone out on loan, so it's not clear whether we would. So that's the only one that I guess we haven't seen any visual evidence of them remaining in the club alongside Shalina, who we also haven't had that confirmed. Yeah, it, it's it's good. I mean, we wanted them to stay. I would like to know, uh, you know, especially about a couple of them that they've got longer contracts. And also I'd like the club to celebrate them. You know, it's the, the sort of... It's one of the moments, isn't it, when clubs are able to celebrate the players they have and that they're staying and that they're happy that they're staying. And so for their sake, I would like there to be some kind of announcement. Yeah, hopefully there will be some kind of announcement. I guess there's so few players back in training that they couldn't really not show those players. But yeah, I mean, for me, those three have been key either to existing seasons or to the future of the club. And great to see them back and fingers crossed that that is what we hope, what we think it is, because they will either out of contract or had an option to extend. So great seeing them back and Ash back in training as well and a few others. So, and obviously gradually then the players who've been at the World Cup will start to come back. We've also seen the Conti Cup draw for next season. 
Uh, we play Southampton for the second season in a row. They're becoming the new Coventry. Uh, and then we play newly relegated Reading and newly promoted Bristol. How do we feel about that group? Just in terms of transport to the games, it's really bad. Like, this is meant to be, you know, there's loads of teams based in or around London, and we've got teams that are all based far away. Okay, Reading is not that far, but you'd have to do an extra, you know, if you're going by public transport, it's an extra trek from the station. And Southampton and Bristol are far. So, uh, you know, just... (laughs) logistically not loving it and Bristol you know obviously we've got one other WSL team in Bristol being there otherwise it's it's fine I guess I'm I'm quite happy to go back to Reading given that uh, you know we played them four times last season to go from four to games to none in a season would have seemed extreme so you know we're weaning ourselves off of playing Reading well and unfortunately for Reading they've had quite the talent drain over this summer so far so I, I don't think they're going to be as difficult an opponent as they were last season, for sure. I think that Gracie Pierce, whether she goes out on loan or not, needs to give us the scouting report on Bristol before she departs, since she was with them last season. And, you know, I don't know a ton about Southampton, but I know they're kind of like an up and comer. So that'll be a good, good test. I'm hoping, I think this is the competition where we don't always get all of the games streamed. So I'm hoping that this year they they really start to take it seriously and get those games televised and or streamed for those of us who are further afield. And of course, Southampton this season, not only Megan Wynn, former Spurs at Southampton, but she's been joined by Rihanna Dean, who is an ex-Spurs striker. So hoping that doesn't come back to bite us. Uh, although um, we only managed a narrow victory against Southampton, of course, last season in that torrential rain uh, that we saw at St Mary's. Now, for those of you not familiar, we will play one of those games, um, certainly away. It could be two away. It could be one away. It just depends on on how that gets drawn. I'm not sure how that happens in the mists of the Conti Cup. And it, it is a group stage and the, the top team will progress. And then I think you, some second teams progress, but not every second team. The other caveat to add is that there is the potential that Arsenal get added to our group. If they get knocked out of the Champions League uh, in the first couple of rounds, then they go into one of the groups. It hasn't been determined which group they would go into yet because all the southern groups are of the same size. So it would just be drawn should that happen. Um, I think from the group point of view, there's once again a group that is completely championship. So it's a shame we didn't get drawn in that group. But then equally, there's a group that's got West Ham and Brighton in it. So from the makeup of the groups, I think we've got the middle ground of groups. And I think we've got every chance of getting out of that group, which is is good because it would be our third season getting out of the group stages, which would be excellent news. We've heard also a little bit of coaching update. We've talked about the players. Vicky is staying with a very strange title, but it basically means... She's going to be assistant manager, I think. Um, senior assistant, assistant coach or something like that is what her title is this season. And Anton staying to do uh, the link-up play between the youth setup and the first team. So how are we feeling about those uh, those announcements that have finally come through? I think it's good that we're really taking seriously the the academy this season. Uh, we know that that's a big focus of the new head coach, you know, from his career, youth development is really one of his priorities. And I think we do have some talented players in that pipeline that that deserve a little bit more attention. And we've already seen, 
you know, Lena Gunning Williams signing her first pro contract. So yeah, the talent is there. So let's make sure we take advantage of it because we know that other clubs in the league are. I think it's good as well that we keep Vicky on. She's obviously got a very good relationship sort of interpersonally with the players. It felt like they were playing for her and with her in those last games. And, you know, I, we said before that we wanted to see sort of female coach development as well at the club. And so her staying is part of that. And I'm happy about that. I think it's, as Caroline said, it's good that they're taking youth development seriously. I think also the goalkeeping coach is somebody who had been goalkeeping coach for a while on the men's side. And so again, I think that people are being moved between the two teams is interesting. Yeah, definitely think with no disrespect to, to previous staff that goalkeeping coach is probably going to be a step up from from where we were he's worked across the men's teams from youth to the senior level I think so good news there um, and keeping some consistency in, in the coaching staff is good uh, and like Rachel says um, I'm pleased that Vicky's staying I think she put in an awful lot of work at the end of last season um, we might not have seen the results we wanted on the pitch but there's as we know in all those situations if you're the same if you're if there's no change in personnel, it's difficult to see a big change. And she did what was necessary. So hoping that she can continue her development and and maybe one day take over the team again and, and find herself in a better position. But lots of positives, I think, ahead of the new season from player performances in the World Cup, from coaching staff getting sorted. Uh, we just need a bit more communication from the club as we ramp up into the new season and hopefully a few more signings. A- any any thoughts as a last thing before we go, any thoughts on players you've seen in the World Cup or that you've been thinking about who you'd like to see Spurs uh, dive in for? Uh, it's so hard to say because a lot of the kind of breakout stars have already made commitments to clubs before the World Cup began. You know, looking at like Linda Casado, obviously she's going to Real Madrid, Melchi de Mornay going to Lyon. But I think certainly there have been a lot of defensive breakout players that we need to be looking at because I think there's still room in our squad for another quality defender but yeah I just hopefully we get at least one one good signing out of this tournament (laughs) so I think there was a bit of talk about Ashley Plumtree after she had a really good game at left back against England and clearly she's somebody who is a free agent at the moment and we're in need of a left back so she is a potential some sort of younger Colombian players, not all of whom are in contract, who looked good. And similarly, I mean, it was interesting, actually, if you look across like the whole Japanese middle um, midfield, it's mostly players who are at WSL clubs already, whereas their strikers aren't. So I guess it's interesting and thinking about where there might be space where there might be players in that team who could fit. And again, I guess it partly depends on what kind of playing style you're going to have and what you're looking for. There's been some really good goalkeeping performances. And here I'm trying to remember back. There was to the sort of earlier stages of the competition where a couple of, there were players who looked really impressive. I think Costa Rica's goalkeeper, whose name I am forgetting, made about 10 or 11 saves against Spain in the first game and looked really confident. Similarly, Philippines goalkeeper, who is actually US based, uh, was very good. And so again, if we're thinking about goalkeepers, there's been some important some impressive appearances but again 
with a pinch of salt, you know, we know that Becky looked amazing in the World Cup and hasn't always looked amazing for us. And so thinking about what does it mean for, you know, where our holes are and what you might be able to do with those players. It's also frustrating, of course, that the FIFA rankings play a a part in whether we would be able to sign a player. And of course, we've seen throughout the tournament that the FIFA rankings probably need a little bit of work. uh, Just a little. (laughs) (laughs) Given that how frequently teams can play each other across continents and things in the women's game it has made a difference I think so yeah uh, be interesting to see what happens we've got a little bit of time really because obviously we don't kick off until the 1st of October so a later start than normal because we've got another international break after the World Cup (laughs) before the season kicks off hopefully we'll be hearing about friendly matches soon and finding out what the team are going to be doing to prepare for the new season thank you both for your insight into the World Cup and and to those Spurs players. It's been great fun talking to you as always. We'll be back before the new season, I guess, with a, a pre-season build-up. And if there's anything exciting that happens before then, we'll come back to you with uh, with our thoughts on that. But for now, thank you for tuning in to uh, N17 Women and come on you Spurs. Mm-hmm.